0: This morning, for a few minutes, I want to look at what I call the unlikelies. This theme tends to catch me most Christmas seasons. Um, and by the unlikelies, I mean, why did God choose Bethlehem? Um, Jerusalem is the city of God, right? It had a past, it was a, a larger city, it has a future. Bethlehem, not so much. In, in fact, um, you know, if we were to pick out one of the it's the big bay. <laughs> Who cares? You know what I mean. Why didn't he choose Marquette? I I look at that and I'm just kind of astounded and, and then you know, it goes on, why did he choose for Mary to get pregnant, when she did, to have a birth, where she did? I mean, if he had waited a, a few months either direction, or gone a few months either way, it wouldn't have been the issue, right? I, it, she's on the road, you know, <laughs> we say God plans everything. So, this appears to be a non-planned event when we would be doing such a thing. Were any of you home births? I know it happens. How about on the way to the hospital? (laughs) It wasn't planned, I'm sure. (laughs) No. We have a friend that um, her child was born on the floor of an RV. They were in transit and uh, never got there. The stable would not have been the first choice, right? An unlikely thing. And yet, it could have been done differently. But God in some ways is saying, I don't need your best. I don't need everything you put together. Uh, for me to take care of things or get things done. And that's really incredible because then we start walking through, we often nullify our capacity to do things because we think, well, I don't have this in place or, or I don't have this developed enough. And yet, in, throughout this story, we see that God wasn't bothered by such things. I mean, even, even choosing Mary, A young girl, first child. You know how goofy mothers are with their first kids. See if I can get in trouble with everyone today. Um, There is that thing of, how are we going to do this? And then. To add to that, I mean, in the moment, she's considered to be immoral. And even her own future husband's uh, gonna divorce her quietly. We're all about prepare the right environment, talk the right way so that the baby doesn't get twisted. Can you imagine the conversations that were going on? For baby Jesus? And why come as a baby? I mean, when James writes about looking after orphans and widows, he's talking about looking at the most vulnerable. And babies are the most vulnerable people we can pick out. And yet God's, yeah. And I haven't born in a stable, it's no big deal to me. So in that in that regard, there's kind of the thing of going. God isn't bound by our circumstances in the same way that we are. I, <laughs> while I'm on this idea of, of vulnerability, um, the, the story brings in Anna, right? Lived with her husband seven years and then is either 84 or lived 84 years afterwards. She's an old lady, e- either way. And yet, God chooses to reveal himself to her. And again, it's, it's not like he's picking out the, the politicians of the day or the religious leaders or anyone else that we would look at as having status, but he picks out an Anna, who really has nothing to bring to the equation other than that she has been a worshiper for years. And that's enough in God's eyes. You know, um, Simeon, again, an old man at the temple, and these two folks meet Jesus. And Simeon, <laughs> the only thing that's keeping him alive is that he's been promised that he would meet the Messiah. In other words, he's accomplished all that he set out to do. He has, uh, he doesn't really have an agenda or a purpose or there's, driving, let's get this done thing. He's, he's done that. And, and all he's doing is waiting for this moment so then he can die. <laughs> you know, that doesn't seem to be too driving to me. Gonna meet Jesus and die, that's, that, that's good. God doesn't have big plans for him after the fact. It's enough. Another old couple brought into the Christmas story is Zachariah and Elizabeth. They had wanted kids, says so she's barren, but they were old. Too old to have kids, apparently. Can you imagine the the loss of that dream, so to speak? Kind a of month after month after month, and finally just, it's not going to happen. And Zechariah, when he's even told about it, he doesn't believe it, he doesn't even believe it's possible. And so God shuts his mouth. But it's, there's this amazingness that God brought these folks into the story. So, I mean, where I go with this is like, okay, there are times when we have shattered dreams, right? Things that we had hoped for that don't come true the way that we had thought they would be. And it's almost like, well, I'm a loser and God doesn't care. And it's inappropriate from this story to allow that to be. Think of the shepherds out at night watching their flocks. That's the third shift. Anybody work midnights? You regularly don't get to participate in the things in the rest of the day when you work that shift. You've got to sleep sometime. We have a a couple nurses and every now and then they'll come into a service and you can see blurry eyes and I'm grateful that they're here. But there's this knowledge that, you know, they were up all night and they're doing their best just to stay awake. In some ways, that's their act of worship in the morning, right? You know, if if they're going to be here and they're going to be awake through the whole service, they've they've done well. But you wouldn't necessarily think that these are the guys to bring the message because by and large, they don't, they're not around with everyone else. They have work to do. And then you get the out of towners with the wise men. You know, they're, they're not part of the mix. And yet, God brings them in and lets them see. Now the thing that drew me back to this, and, and this is a Christmas theme of mine, I, I know that, endure. But this week I was looking at the disciples and it, it kind of caught me in the same way. Um, the The guys that Jesus selected, you know, Simon Peter, we see enough stories of him being impetuous and and such that we're just kind of going, yeah, that one was a stretch. And then, then you know, in the listing in Mark, he, he lists Simon, he says he changes or gives him the nickname Peter. And then he gets James and John and he, he, he nicknames them too, Sons of Thunder. And it's not that their dad is named Thunder, it's na- he calls them Sons of Thunder. What would you think that entails? Quiet, thoughtful folk? <laughs> now we read, we read the epistle of John and it's love, 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 and, and, and that's near the end of his life, but there were some other things that went on too. If you <laughs> you wanna to draw it out in Luke 9, there's an argument by the disciples, who's the greatest? And it doesn't list their names. I'm assuming they were a part of it, but Jesus brings in a child and he says, you know, whoever's least will be the greatest. Uh, You need to recognize that everyone's important in the kingdom. Uh, They don't get it quite yet. So that same chapter Next story, John comes to Jesus and says, yeah, there was some guy trying to cast out demons in your name, we put a stop to it. He's not one of us. And Jesus is going, leave him alone. If he's not against us, he's for us. And then they go through, same chapter, they go through Samaria, they're on their way to Jerusalem and the Samaritans aren't happy with this group traveling through their country and there's this jockeying as to who's the more righteous anyway. And long story short, James and John say, you want us to call down fire from heaven? We'll smoke these folks. The love of God just pouring out, right? Jesus goes, no. <laughs> you know? But that's, that's who he's selecting for his inner circle. It doesn't stop there. You have got Thomas who's, later on, his, his inability to believe and, and go forward with it is, is kind of brought out in the open and his doubts are, are just known. You've got Matthew who is a tax collector so he wouldn't have been appreciated by anyone that had met him. You have Simon the Zealot You know what a zealot was? That's like a political radical. You know how much trouble we get in when we just even touch on political situations here? Folks can get cranked up in a hurry. And yet Jesus picks a zealot. Come on, join me. I I walked through that and then I... You know, now, he eventually brings in one with the right background and training and and intellectual capability with Paul, right? The only trouble is that Paul had been putting Christians to death in his early years. So, you know, it's like that's not a completely good resume for Christian life, right? And then then he gets saved, and apparently he disappears. You know, there's gaps of like 14 years and then three years. So 17 years out of circulation before he ever really gets going. So you're looking at that and going, well, not many connections left. So I just... You know I look at that and then so well you know Paul writes massive portion of the New Testament and then you've got Luke writing as well a doctor I mean good credentials but he's got a Syrian or Roman name so again he's not connected in the way that we would think should be. So uh, let's bring this home. How often would we disqualify ourselves because we're saying, I don't have the connections that others do. Or I don't have the financial ability that others do. I don't have the training that others do. I don't have the temperament that seems to move people. I I have lived with people not trusting me. I've lived with age issues. I have lived with, you know, and we can walk through all these things. I've had massive seasons of disappointment. Years wanting something and it hasn't come through. And the question is, does God have the capacity even to use me in his kingdom? Are there things that he wants out of my life even now? And that's, that's so wondrous. You know, to walk through these things and just go, he did it with others. He took others who have have lived with a sense of, does God really even love me? And gives us this amazing opportunity to see the Christ child when he comes to earth. Or people who are out of the loop and still were allowed to participate. So again, it, you know, bringing it back home, it's like we really shouldn't be looking at those kind of circumstances and saying, God won't, but rather open ourselves and say, whatever he wills, or he might even, or he is willing. Because that's what we find in the scripture. Lord, I thank you that uh, there can be times of loneliness, disappointment, poverty, misunderstanding. And they, they have deep effect on our lives. And yet you're not bound to cut us off because we've allowed that to affect us. And so we just say one more time we open the door and say, use us as you will. Guide our steps. Allow us to sense your presence working in our hearts. Amen. Our practice.